Hi, guys. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors. Uh, we are bringing you the Nobleman podcast number 13. The Nobleman shares the word with his family, and we're recording this right before Father's Day. So this is going to kind of be our Father's Day edition of the podcast. I have with me in the studio here a friend. Uh, he was my pastor. I still call him pastor because I just dearly love this man. He um, he became our pastor right after Hannah was born and uh, has baptized all four of our kids and uh, served at the church. He actually planted the church that Stacy and I and our families are now members of. Uh, but he has blessed me in so many ways. Uh, we've had great conversations about life and ministry and family. And so Brian is currently the executive director of the SBC of Virginia and is here with us to talk about how we share the word with our family. So, Brian, tell us a little bit about your journey, your story, and how you got to where you are. Well, Mike, thanks for having me. It's very, very great to be with you. And what a privilege to share right before Father's Day. And uh, man, it's uh, it is amazing. I turn fifty next month to kind of look back. I try not to think about that a whole lot. You yeah. probably need a whole nother podcast for how the noble man handles turning fifty. But anyway, um, <laughs> but, you know, down. I'm very just, very just, very thankful. I just have to say, you know, over and over again in the Bible, you'll read, you know, about God's blessings on people. You don't read in the Bible about. Uh, about perfect people, except for the Lord Jesus Christ and his perfection. But you, you do see God's blessing and God's involvement in people's lives. And I look back on my life and I see that. I see that back in how the Lord provided for me growing up, uh, not too far from where you grew up in That's Newport right. News, Virginia. And uh, growing up there with my folks, I have a younger brother, and then went off to college, went to public university, JMU here in Virginia. Lord was working in my life as far as dealing with calling and vocation. And the way I came to understand that, was serving in full-time vocational Christian ministry and, of course, met uh, the lady who had become my wife. And now I think about the 26 years of marriage. We celebrated three children, uh, and there goes, you know, there goes the story. And, of course, in the midst of that, being involved in planning the church you referred yeah. to, and even in now having served, served in the role that I'm in now for about eight years, working with pastors and churches and their leaders all across the state and really seeing what God's doing around the country and the world has been a great privilege. But just very thankful for the Lord's blessings yeah. overall. Well, I want to say thank you on a personal level, not just for your ministry to our family, but for your support for Noble Warriors. I remember that uh, Parkway Baptist Church was officing in a space not far from here, and right. I came and met with you and kind of laid out this story for you and said, this is what I feel the Lord calling me to do. And we hadn't known each other long. No, it's probably our, may have been our second conversation. It yeah. almost seems like it was our first because it was such a monumental conversation. And and I know I probably the church was maybe a year or so old because we were, we were just a stone's throw from where we're sitting right now. And uh, when I, you came in and shared your vision and passion, of course, the first part of me, I'm a very practical kind of minded person. Too. I'm like, man, are Really? This is going to be a big undertaking. And that is it is amazing also to look back and to see what God is doing. So that was a fantastic moment in my life. I look back on and just how the Lord has allowed us to walk this journey together. That's been a big blessing in my life getting to be a friend. Well, it's been fun and I appreciate that. Hey, let's talk about um, how our earthly fathers invested mm -hmm. in our lives, because so much of what we do as men uh, is dependent or is directed, maybe is is cast by the shadow that we feel from our own fathers. Yeah. And, and so I'll just mention my dad, Thomas Young, uh, shout out to him. 
my dad was was never discipled the way that I have been. He was not given some of the opportunities that I have have had. Um, but I remember how intently he listened to the pastor, Pastor Bud Hardy at our church, Southside Baptist Church. And I remember him speaking to the pastor. I remember the emotion sometimes that he felt as as the Lord worked in his life. I remember dad um, starting to read Open Windows was a little devotional book that was put out, I think, by the mm-hmm. Baptists. Mm-hmm. And uh, so dad would read that sometimes or have one of us read it at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I remember his efforts to invest in us. But probably one of the things that I remember most uh, distinctly is that there was a time when the pastor talked about spending time with your kids, specifically spending time with your son. And he talked about if you're not going fishing with your son, you ought to. So dad went out the next week and bought a little old John boat and a motor and we started fishing together. And I have there have been times in my life when I have responded to pastoral instruction quickly and I go back to watching my dad do that and mm. think about the impact that that had on me. So yeah. um, tell us a little bit about how your dad modeled his right. faith for you. Well, you know, that is a that is a monumental question right there. In fact, I was sharing with you before we went on air that right on my way in here, I was on another call with work. My dad was buzzing on my cell phone. So probably after this, sometime today, I'll call and talk with him on the phone. And we're very fortunate. Now he's retired from, from the shipyard he, where he worked in Newport News. So he's a little bit more available. I can, yeah. He was always available. And I guess that's the overarching theme that I would put on, on, on my own earthly father's uh, impact in my life is I would say this and he and he would be very uh, he would want me to make this very clear that he wasn't a perfect father That's right but he was a present father right and so you know some people that I've taught with and I know I I, I, I feel for them because the idea of having a heavenly father their earthly father hasn't been a lot of help for them in that's that. right and one thing my earthly father did is overarching theme I would just put as a capstone on his fatherhood in my life is although he wasn't perfect he was present yeah and 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 i think that's one of the great lessons that we need to remember about our heavenly father is is he's present in our lives now he's also perfect in our lives right but what my earthly father did for me is by being present in my life and actually being honest with me the fact that hey he was never claiming to be perfect even though I'll, i'll share with you a few examples of ways that he did model for me his own Christian discipleship. Right. He, he, I still remember him, and part of it was probably because of his job, the type of job he had. I, I have to travel much more on the road than my own father did. Um, but my dad, I can remember that car pulling up, man, driving down Manor Drive, sliding up in front of the house. He parked on the side of the street every day at 5 o'clock yeah. without clockwork. I think I remember him ta- maybe taking two business trips. Now, I know for a lot of us today, that's very foreign. I I drive probably on average about 35,000 miles a year. Right. And, I, and, I'm, and you know what I do now for, for my work in ministry. So I'm gone a good bit. But my dad did really model in my life being present. And that's really really continues to get my attention. He is still that way in right. my life. And he's, he's that way to my, my children. Right. Uh, and, and that becomes a great accountability for me to make sure I don't forget. And listen, I need to make sure that I'm present because sometimes, you know, you can be in the room and you're still not present. Right. You're really not there mentally. You're yep. not there spiritually. You're not there emotionally. And sometimes I have to get checked out on that. I have to check myself out on that. Sometimes the Lord and his spirit will convict me on that. Or sometimes my helpmate, my wonderful wife, she'll say, hey, listen, are you kind of with us or not? Are you kind of off in your world, your thinking, or right. your mind is on something? But he was present. Uh, and then, But then practically, a couple of things that my dad did where he brought the word to life was one— is uh, my first memory of going to church. I have a vague memory of going to church when I was little, like preschool age. 
But um, I was when I was five, my younger brother was born. Well, we just kind of got out of going to church. We yeah. moved. So that put us in a different area. Uh, we had a, a new kid in the house, and my folks were grappling that. They were young. They were young. They were just in their 20s. And, and it was when I was eight, we moved into the house my parents still live in. And we live right down the street from a church. Right. And so I went to, I think it was Vacation Bible School. And uh, the pastor came down. And it's why even as a pastor, I believed if, in just trying to get in with people and talk with people and see where they were in life. The pastor showed up at our house. And he basically just kind of put my dad on the spot. And he said, listen, this kid is ready to come to church. He's done his part. Are you going to man up and do your part? No way. <laughs> he had the same conversation with my best buddy's dad across the street. That guy decided to go to the Church of Christ instead of the Baptist <laughs> Church because he didn't like the pastor's attitude. My dad was like, you're right. He totally responded. And I can hardly remember Sunday since then that that that, that my folks weren't involved in that church. And my dad wasn't like, hey, let's, let's get up, let's get up, and let's go there. So one thing I would encourage all of us to remember is— is don't forsake the assembling together of yeah. the brethren because I can remember the faithfulness. And still to this day, yeah. my dad bringing his family to church, and oftentimes it would even be more than Sunday morning, but then also the way he would listen, as you were yeah. talking about your yeah. dad, listen to our pastor. Yeah. My dad is, 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 is worked and helped design nuclear submarines. Right. And he's a very smart man. He would sit there with humility and soak up every word and take notes. Then my mom and dad, they, they would go teach three-year-olds. I remember my dad eventually started teaching in youth. The other thing I remember is my dad's own reading of the word. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing my dad preparing, usually to teach a Sunday school lesson, and how his Bible was underlined. Yeah. And still sometimes this day when I will underline my Bible, I think about him. And that's a testimony of him being in the Word. Now my dad would want me to sh share share with you and your listeners that it wasn't like he was gathering us together like some guys are so much better at, some guys are so much better at this than even I am. I've preached thousands of sermons, but sometimes I don't always do the best at getting my family always together. Hey, here's this great Bible study for you guys. But what my dad modeled for me is, look— I know he loves the Word because he was in the Word, and his Bible showed evidence of him living wow. in the Word. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing that really sticks out is how my dad took the Word to heart and in his action. And a couple memories, and I won't go on too long. One was I can remember I, I, I had upset one of our neighbors. I think, I had, uh, I think I'd gotten into a, a little fuss or fight or something with, with his son. Well, whatever happened, it set this other dad off. And this dad came hunting me down, yelling and screaming. My mom then grabbed me. We were over at my buddy's house across the street. Her, my mom and this other lady barricaded themselves in the house. This man is banging on the front door. Wow. My dad, 5 o'clock, pulling up from work. Still got his tie on and this and that. And he hears this commotion. He comes walking across the street like, what? what's going on? This guy is cursing him up and down. I want your boy out here. He did this and that. I watched my dad over the next 30 minutes talk this man off a ledge. Wow. I'll tell you what happened. From then on out, my my dad and even then that man down the street, it was a totally different world. Mm. There had always been a little bit of tension maybe between it, but not anymore. And, and, I, and I tell you, the Lord used just how my dad reacted in that moment of when he was having to deal with anger and strife. That soft answer did turn away wrath. Yeah. I saw Proverbs right there. Another thing that I would see is how one of my dad's thing at church, besides teaching, he's a deacon, he's done all kinds of things. 
but he he would do the lawn at church. He would cut the grass. Right. And still to this day, he does a good bit of the yard work. Now, he would tell you he loves being outside, so right. it's not really that much. But I tell you, what I saw in that, in all these examples, is a person who really modeled for me servant leading. Right. And, and that still speaks to me because I, for most of my adulthood, I've been the preacher. Yeah. I've been the guy on the stage. My dad was on the stage very little, but his life has, has really spoken to me on how he just lived out the word in day-to-day activity. That really has been a great blessing. And I've actually had some folks every now and then stop me. I'll be speaking at their church and they'll remember my dad or something like that. And they'll re- and they'll reference, they'll reference that. So I'm, I'm very thankful for his legacy of, of loving the word, but also living out the yeah. word and just some everyday life examples that you don't and, always and, see. And, you know, so I would like to just punctuate that because we've got some guys listening out there that say, hey, I can't be Dr. Brian Autry and I can't be Mike Young leading Noble Warriors. I can't be like the pastor. I just don't have that experience and that stuff. I, I don't know where to start. Listen, start where you are. Get in the Word. We did another podcast about this earlier, about how the noble man loves the Word and cherishes the Word. Next week, we're going to talk about how the man reads and studies the Word. And so you've got to be a man of the Word, because I can tell you, or I would guess, that your dad, because his heart was washed with the Word, he overcame the Spirit of God dwelling within him, overcame the flesh that was welling up in anger, probably, that would have wanted to respond to that differently. And in that, there was a sermon that may have been more powerful than what you heard on Sunday morning in the church house sometimes. I think so, because you take our neighbor, he he, he wasn't going down to church, down the yeah, street. Yeah. And uh, so I think that did speak to that gentleman as well. Um, and I do think that is something that is is men talking to yeah. our, just just saying something to to the men listening in right now, and for the ladies listening, you can encourage your, your yeah. man in this regard. Um, you know, for me personally, from where I come from, is uh, you know I I sometimes wanted to be perfect right. at what I was going to do, and I already said, and, and I hadn't thought about it until you asked me the question that what spoke out to me about my dad was him being present. And just his persistence in my life, not his perfection. Well, for me, sometimes leading my family spiritually, I approached it kind of like how I approach golf. No one's ever accused me of being a golfer. I don't do a whole lot of golf. I have some kind of knockoff golf clubs and stuff. But here's because here's what irritates me about golf is I'm usually not near as good at it as the other guys. Right. And um, and I just have to be honest with you, Mike. I know I just exude a lot of humility to you and this and that. I don't want to. I don't want to take myself off the pedestal here. But I'm just telling you, the truth of the matter is, I've got plenty of vanity too, and you know that. But but you know, one thing that gets me about golf is I I'll go play golf if the guys are easygoing. Yeah. Or two, they do this like best ball stuff, right? right. Where basically whoever hits it the furthest, you get to put Captain your ball up there, or whatever, and, and, yeah. and they give you about a dozen mulligans. <laughs> then that sounds like fun, okay? Because um, I enjoy being out and doing it, and I. But I tell you, I it, it has always kind of given me grief that man, you know, then that guy just hits the daylights out of it. And so I, sometimes I'm just I don't even want to go. I was approaching at times my own fatherhood and kind of right. leading my family, even my own personal devotional life. I could approach it that way. Well, if I'm not, if I'm not always. Doing X, Y, Z. If I miss a day, boom, I'm a failure. I got to punch out. Right. And a mutual friend of ours, Chuck Lawless, was like, he yeah. was like, are you crazy? He goes, what are you talking about? He says, so. and he's very, he's very, you know, disciplined. Yeah, he's regimented. He's very regimented his- more than I am. And 
but he was like, are you kidding me? He's like, this is, this is crazy. Why? And I, and I just had to get out of my own head. Right. And that was somewhat liberating for me. And so I can yeah. tell you, even in the past, probably eight to 10 years, it's, it's been, a, it's been a different place for me to sit and understanding. I don't have to shoot for perfection. I just need to stay at it because actually my heavenly father, that's what he's wanting for me. And right. My own earthly father has encouraged that because he's just said, look, son, I just want to talk to you on the phone. Yeah, I just want to spend some time. Well, and 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 I've had my dad apologize to me. I've had to learn to apologize for things that, you know, that he said or did at various times. And and so the the example that he set in humility of being able to apologize to his son, and then for me to learn that to be able to apologize to my sons. And you know, I think about another thing. Boy, we could go on with this, but the amount of time that my dad invited me to spend with him working on projects, just as you said, being present, but he, he brought me near. And I think about that when I think about the heavenly father, he calls us near and he wants us to be close to experience him and his presence and his wisdom. That's right. And, um, Boy, we can get lost in that. Let me, um, so referencing the Heavenly Father, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, I love this because it talks about God's adopting us into his family. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I just love the fact that we are adopted into the family of God. And so there are guys out there listening who have not had the experience that you and I have had with an earthly father, but they can experience brotherhood with Christ. They're co-heirs with Christ to the inheritance that is there, and, and they have to learn how to love from the heavenly father's perfect love because although we experience love and presence from our dads as you said it wasn't perfect but there is one who does love perfectly and who always forgives i i'll tell you a quick story i just got a call from my son who was trying to pull long story he's working on a transmission in a truck he's trying to pull one truck into the garage Mm. with another truck with a strap through the window and he said dad i I get i messed up i said well what'd you do did the truck get away from me he (laughs) said well the buckle on the strap hit the window and tore the window out of the front of the garage so i'm going home to a window torn out of the front of the garage but you know what i get to demonstrate love and patience and humility and say it's okay you even if you had wrecked the truck or torn up the house more there's nothing that you could do that would cause me to That's not right. love you. Yeah. And so I get to practice that. But some guys have not had that. And the only place they get to feel it is with a relationship with a yeah. heavenly father. That whole concept of this unconditional love of God is is something that I think sometimes, I know at times in my own life as a Christian, I I would find myself kind of like, well, is this, you know, it's telling God that I love him. Is that almost, is that kind of a sissy thing or whatever? But man, this, that's monumental. I mean, it is absolutely monumental in our theology you know that god has this kind of yeah unconditional unmatchable love for us yeah and 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 let's face it in most of our human relationships we're gonna maybe bat 500 on that maybe some of us will do a little bit better maybe some of us will get a b plus maybe an a minus when it comes to loving unconditionally but god does it perfectly and that's the amazing thing when you and that's why it is so good for men for us to have time in the word because you don't hear this, you don't see this, you won't get this anywhere else. 
It's in the Word where we read about God's love for us, His patience for us. You know, some people will sometimes give God, I think, a bad rap of what they read in the Old Testament. No, but read the Old Testament a little closer. You yeah. see there an abundance from the from Genesis 3. You see an abundance of God's loving right. mercy. It is truly, truly unconditional. And just as this Ephesians passage that you read reminds us of, there is there is nothing that matches our Heavenly Father's love for us. We right. do, we are blessed sometimes to see some some examples of that in our human relationships. But that's why it is so important for us as earthly dads to even as Christian earthly dads, for us to point our 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 families to the Heavenly Father, for them to see us looking to the Heavenly Father. Even though for sometimes as men that can be a little bit yeah. kind of feel a little weird to us. But that's that's just part of our fallenness. We just need to just picture the fact of, you know, David, man, David wasn't perfect either but david david was was uh he was a warrior you, you look at some of these guys in the bible i mean they all had to come to terms with the fact of god's amazing love in their lives that's right and so it's a it's a great great reminder for us to never forget that 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 nothing matches that concept of who our heavenly father is this is one thing that makes our, our our makes christian christianity very distinctive too right yeah Hey, let me, um, so we talked about um, our earthly fathers just a little bit, and then we talked uh, just briefly about a heavenly father that got wound in there. But other spiritual fathers, I, I love this passage from 1 Corinthians 4, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, the believers there, and how it's the whole concept of a spiritual father. And he clearly mm. was that for Timothy and Titus and and countless others. That's right. Um, and so my dad invested in my life, but my dad was not able to do the whole job Absolutely. of teaching me everything. And and I know guys who who don't want to release their sons to other people because they feel some sense of inadequacy. But my deal is, oh my goodness, I'm incomplete. I Absolutely. need him to get exposure to other guys. So what other men were spiritual fathers to you? Let's just list a couple and, and speak to that. Well, for instance, in my own life, even in my teen years, uh, when I, I think, well, I go back to that first memory of going to a local church. I still remember Mr. Smeltzer sitting there in that third grade Sunday school class um, there teaching and just the reception I got. I was yeah. just, I was scared. I was awkward feeling. I was kind of nervous and introverted, but drawn. He welcomed me in. I think then about folks like... Uh, Paul Keller, who taught me senior, my senior year of, of, of high school in, at the church in Sunday school. He was an old, crusty ex-Navy vet, 30-some years in the Navy. Um, he was now in, he was doing carpentry then, but he would, he would put us on the spot. He would take us in the Word. He would press us, uh, move us beyond these easy church answers. Years later, I would end up going back to do his wife's funeral, and wow. then later on, his own, his own home-going service. And, um, and I think about how he just had this realness about him and this, uh, this, this way of just like uh, cutting through uh, any of the facade that we can sometimes put on. I think about my own youth pastor. He was the first person I really talked with about what I felt like God was doing in my life and helped coach me through having to— explain to my parents what was going on because what it was, a call to ministry yeah, it is was hard to explain i mean yeah. you're 17 i mean do you even know what you're thinking right now and and uh so i i think about some folks like that and then in in the years that passed even to this day i 
I, I think of, of other brothers who've had uh, a tremendous influence in my life, pastors I've known, co-workers who've spoken to my life. And now I find myself in this place where you hear some people say, well, now their, their mentors are kind of moving off the scene and they find themselves. And it's, I'm, in a, I'm in this kind of happy spot right now where I kind of still feel like I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, I am being able to invest in younger guys, but I also still feel very blessed by those who definitely are going ahead of me. Sometimes those ahead of me aren't necessarily chronologically uh, uh, older than me. Right, right. <laughs> I'm also learning that. But I even think about how I've seen that take place in my own son's life. He, he goes off to college this this uh, end of this summer. I think about you, man, just right across the table from me here. And, and the way that I've, in my in my job the past several years, I've been gone a lot of Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. But to know that, that my son, for instance, my daughters too, but particularly my son, my son has benefited from other elders in our mm-hmm. church. And I think about how you have taught and invested in his life and, and others in our local church. It's why I just, now I'm a big believer in the local church. I serve yeah. the local church right now in the role I'm in. So I just would encourage folks, look, you, you need to be involved in a local church. And no local church is perfect. Right. But I tell you, it, it teaches a profound lesson to your children that you do submit yourself to being in a larger body. And the benefit is you can realize that fatherhood is a team sport. Exactly. I mean, there are things that I don't know that I need to expose my sons to. And some of that I have done by design. I've put that's, them, that's put right. them with people who they need to hear. And it's, it's a little bit humbling. I'll just tell you, Glenn Jones is a friend of mine that has, he was an executive with Verizon. And when my boys were beginning to get interviewed for college applications and various things, I, I asked if Glenn would sit with them. And uh, so Tim, the very first one, Tim called me after he met with Glenn Jones for a couple of hours. And he said, Dad, Mr. Jones is like so much smarter than you are. <laughs> and, and I have just loved that because, man, if if the limit of my knowledge and understanding and wisdom becomes his ceiling, then shame on me. Wow. And That's and so what a powerful opportunity to put him with people who know things that I don't know, who can teach him things that I can't teach him. Um, but but I think about some of my own guys. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, back in church as a kid, I think about Payne Carr taught the middle school boys class and how he had the courage to do that with us acting up all the time. Malcolm Bunch was the senior yeah, high school him. guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, know Malcolm him. from Southside. He's a great guy. Still there. He taught me as a senior in high school and then early in college at our church. Pete Parks was the campus minister yep, at William and Mary and, right. and blessed me in tremendous ways. But I tell you, Carrie Bates uh-huh. was a pastor at Woolridge Roads Church, and uh, per- Carrie's down in, in Florida right now. Todd knows Carrie. Wow. But um, he pulled me aside and said, I see something in you. Mm. I would like to invest in you. And he took me through a curriculum called Master Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're familiar Fantastic. with that. And, and that was transformational in my yes. life because someone said, I see something in you that the Lord wants to develop. It's heavy on my heart. God's speaking to me. Can I walk with you for a while? So, guys, if, if you're just if you see yourself as a regular guy out there, then then two thoughts for you. There may be someone that God is is speaking to you about investing in their life. Don't hesitate. Go and do that. Figure out, find a roadmap of some sort to disciple another man. But you may be a guy who says, I really need some of this guidance that you're talking about. I need someone to invest in me. Well, pray that God will bring that older, seasoned man into your life. 
Um, and so this is this is the idea of spiritual fathering. And boy, we've we've burned a lot of time, but I, I think this is so robust. But let's pivot now to talk about our role as dads of our biological children. Let me just read two passages here, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Old Testament passage reminding us of the prior, and this is this is written to men about the priority of investing the word in their family. And then I'll go ahead and read this other one so we can just kind of free flow after that. But Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I think it's clear there that we have a responsibility mm-hmm. to keep the Lord's discipline and word and instruction and and um, his his word, his, his life skills, his life message in front mm-hmm. of our kids. So talk about how you've done that. Well, you know, I tell you, it, and and I think this fits this part of the conversation. When I when I hear Deuteronomy six and, and of course Ephesians Ephesians six kind of kind of building upon that, what hits me is a fact of how this is as you go, as yeah. you sit in your house, as you walk, as you just as you live life. And and as you were reading that, I just couldn't help but remember. And I don't exactly know who was that gave me each piece of advice. But I remember two pieces of advice I was given about fatherhood. One was uh, I was told, be careful not to just invest in stuff. Mm. Invest in experiences for yeah. your children. Yeah, and absolutely. the second was the guy said, don't miss don't miss the teachable moments. And when you're reading this, those two memories came back into my mind. And I've and I've been fortunate, been, been able to have the means to, to, to take my family, my children to see well, several wonders of the world. Yeah, um, I've, they've been able to see Niagara Falls and feel the mist on their faces. They've just the other year uh, we were uh, out in Arizona for some some work related things, so I worked it in. We tagged on a couple extra days and we saw the Grand Canyon. Um, now they've done some other just more like theme parky stuff too. But but when you ask my children, it was it was seeing those parts of God's creation, having that time together as a family, they relate it to, yeah. to that time as a family and having those moments. I remember when we were on the cusp of the Grand Canyon on one of those little edges, you know, where you find and this guy at the hotel said, I'm going to tell you this little spot you can go where it's not very crowded. I still remember going out there and I'm a preacher and stuff. So maybe I felt a little extra, extra burdenless. <laughs> I was like, well, I need to, I need to give some kind of little talk here, Mike or something, you know, and, and I had my phone and I remember I, I, I was like, okay, now what, what would be a good scripture? And I think I pulled out a Psalm or something like that. And I read it. And gathering around for a few moments, and I'm thinking, I've got to, we've got to read some word here. So some of it, I think, is just as we're going through life. Right now, granted, like I've I've shared, I probably could continue to be more organized and more disciplined. But one thing I would say is just don't miss the teachable moments. Right, and and consider not missing out on just the experiences because I think. A lot of times we feel the pressure. I need to give this for my kids. I got to provide this. I got to do this. And usually in the end, it's like my wife had told me, because I went through this whole like deal of when I stepped down as their pastor, what was going to be like. And, and pastors, we sometimes have our own little pastor worries. And, and she said, well, you know, you're, you're still their father. Yeah. And, and that's been one of the blessings of what I've learned the past couple of years. And maybe I, I wasn't really 
connecting with earlier on is the fact that, you know, my, my children, God has given a lot of grace there in receiving me as their very imperfect father yeah. with me just trying to kind of continue to point them to our perfect heavenly father. So I think those are a couple of practical ways. And then, of course, there have been times where we have certain family traditions. We will get our family together and we'll pray about things or we'll read some scripture. Even the past couple of months, having to walk through this whole experience of how do you even participate in your church right. when for a season we were you're, you're, you're told you can't even go to the building. And so we've had to walk through that. And that's been an interesting experience. And, and we're, we're walking through that. And then even as we've come to different milestones in our children's lives, having moments to where we recognize that and say, listen, God is with you in this. You haven't outgrown God. Right. You know, and I've even I, I did something practical and I'll throw this in. Um, I always wrestle growing up. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Baptist Christian. So I, one of our kind of pieces of our doctrine is you're baptized by immersion after you make your profession of faith. I always struggled remembering when that was in my life as a kid. I was 11 years old. I've gone back and researched it, but a lot happens between 11 and <laughs> what occurs, right? So when my children were baptized, and I was, I was privileged to, uh, to, to baptize my children. It was my privilege to, to be involved in baptizing yours. Of course, yeah. you're, like I've said, you've been a big part of our family's lives, your family and my family. And I, I put in my calendar, though, Mike, uh, the, the date of my children's baptism. And it pops on my phone. Wow. So often on those days, some days it's a little more recognition than others. Some days it's like, hey, by the way, and I'll just, just between me and them, yeah. I'll say, uh, hey, today, uh, uh, eight years ago, you were baptized. I'll be like, you know, wow, I was baptized, Dad, on Palm Sunday. And it turns out this year again is Palm Sunday yeah. because of the way the calendar rotates sometimes. And, they'll, and it'll be those moments. And so I was just a little simple thing I did that, 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 no, that no one else may do out there. Right. That may not seem that profound, but for me, that was kind of a connection back to something that I kind of wondered about. Although baptism, I know, doesn't save you, but it was a, it's a marker. It's sure. a memory. It's a milestone. And so I think that's the other thing is us trying to mark our milestones. You've done a great job of that as a dad, too. Um, I think then part of it has been the privilege of just trying to allow my children to meet other people right. and, and be friends and see our family friends with other Christian families. So those are a few things that come to my mind as I've just tried to kind of walk through it. And, and I'd say this, I'm now into this phase of life where I, I will now have my second child, college age, heading off, but I still, I still have a 13-year-old at home. So I will say with each of the three kids, it's been different. Exactly. And I know you've seen that with yeah, your own yeah. children. And as they grow into different phases, I find myself having to pivot and kind of adjust, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I do find myself, in, in all honesty, uh, sometimes lamenting kind of what I might would say were missed moments or right. missed times. But, you know, I've just had to kind of give that to the Lord. And, you know, if I live long enough and the Lord blesses my children, who knows? Maybe there'll be another generation that I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I will fish with them a little bit more. Maybe <laughs> I will say, hey, son, come here, look at this. Or, You're going to take them golfing? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably beat them if they're little enough. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, well, you, you know, so one of the things that I, I find, um, there are guys out there that are very, very regimented in how they do family devotions, and you aren't sure. you aren't leading your family if you don't read a chapter True. every night, right. and it and it's so regimented. Um, our family has not been like that, partly because I'm a bit scatterbrained and I get bored with something, and and so it goes. You know, we do something right. for a little while, and we do something. We've done books like Sticky Situations when yeah. they were kids. We've yeah. read. 
uh, different stories. We've read uh, Narnia books. And sure. We've done different things um, to keep the word in front of our kids and to talk about how we apply it to our lives. But I had a, had a text. Tim is married. He's in Hawaii. I think he's 24 uh, currently. But we were texting the other day about uh, a dialogue he's having about some of the racial stuff that's going on. Right. And he said, Dad, you know what? Um, at the table, we talked about not only what the word said, but how to apply it to our lives and how to apply it to what's going on in the world and to make decisions based on the word. And so he even, he said, even though I don't agree with some of the things that may have been said at our table, and he's he's developing into his own man, sure. having his own thoughts, applying the word. He said, but I appreciate the fact that you encourage us to learn how to think biblically and have a biblical worldview. I mean, it was the, the summation of what he said. And um, so I, I think we have to be careful that we don't just regurgitate stuff to them and and make little clones of us in some ways. I think we need to teach them to use the Bible as a tool with which wit to view the world, to make decisions, to apply it. Speak to that whole right. Well, just dynamic. even well, just Mike, just even in the current context, I know one of the things that 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 I'm trying to pay attention to is the fact that I I do a fair amount of speaking. A lot of times when I'm in the room, I'm the person that's kind of being expected to say things. And one of the messages that I'm trying to kind of take to heart, especially the past few weeks, is the fact I need to make sure I listen more. Yeah. I, I need to pay attention. I need to hear your story. I need to hear where you're coming from. I need to listen to where you've been. Now, the blessing of God's word is, is God's word is absolute truth. Yep. Okay. And sufficient. So it for, is absolutely sufficient. Yeah. So, so um, I don't, when I come to the Bible, that's the blessing of the Bible is I can come to it and the realness of the Bible and some of the tragedy in the Bible, but, it, but the Bible is sufficient. It is absolute truth. It is, it is it is inerrant, and and so when I come to that, that's that's a whole other reason for me to point my family and yeah. to point my children to the Word. So one of the one of the things that I've even grappled with most most recently is the fact that for my three children, they have grown up with this with in this age of where a, a cell phone is just like a, a, a it's just like another it's an appendage. extra appendage exactly yeah, as it is. <laughs> And, and so I find myself now, old school, I still like what you've got sitting here on the table. I like, uh, I like a paper Bible. I like when I can write in, I can take notes in, and I will still push that. Yeah. I still push that with my <clears throat> children, trying to model that for them and trying to encourage that with them. And my two girls, they're into journaling. Like yeah. they, they will journal and they'll take notes. So I definitely and try to encourage that. And I model that to a degree. I'm not a great journaler, but they know I do some of that and have seen some of that. Uh, my son, not so much. It's like, but he he will have it on on his phone. Now I don't think he's arrived in that regard, just like I haven't. So we have dialogue about that. But one thing I've just recognized is trying to not just complain about the fact of why are you just reading? Why are you reading the Bible on the phone? Why are you just taking a phone to church? Or why? Are you, but actually, hey, you know, we're gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and embrace it. So sometimes it'll be me. Or my wife will do this too. We'll text our family yeah. group chat. Here's a Bible verse we came across. We're just trying to share it with them, um, not preach it to them as much. Right. Um, I probably do enough of that already. But but really, just kind of sharing that 
sharing it with them. And as they're growing older, we're recognizing, okay, this is kind of where they are now. Yeah. And this is how they're processing it. This is how they're owning, as you described with Tim. You know, and it doesn't change it. the message of the word no. that you deliver it differently. No. In fact, you really find yourself becoming really, instead of uh, just kind of like teacher to pupil, growing into more of a shared student, shared discipleship yeah. type moment. That is what is becoming thrilling to me in this regard. I think it's going to, Lord willing, I said, if I'm, if I'm able to be a grandfather, I think it's going to impact. I hope it does. I hope I have opportunity to do that, to share with, with grandchildren. I think uh, that'll be a whole different experience. Yeah. Um, for right now, I find myself just needing to embrace where they are and what they're doing and encourage that. So for me, one practical piece has just been trying to make sure that they know I'm in the Word and I can feed them the yeah. Word. Because I do recognize that they're being exposed to a lot of different opinions, a lot of different thoughts out there, but trying to remind them that this is the anchor. Right. This is the thing that doesn't, that's not based on on popular opinion right. or based on an opinion poll. Or this speaks to now and it speaks to the past and it speaks to, speaks the, future. to the future as so, well. Right. So for me, practically, it's even been having to embrace uh, uh, how they're more of an electronic generation right. than I was. So that's one more current piece of how I've kind of grappled with that, just trying to share the word with them that way too. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that's been fun for us is uh, we may all be reading different things, mm -hmm. different parts of the Bible, and so it's fun for us sometimes at dinner time. We've Absolutely. got two students who are home from college now that that wouldn't typically be right, but. Um, you know, we can go around the table and say, hey, what are you reading right now? Well, I'm reading Isaiah, I'm reading Ecclesiastes, I'm reading Psalms or whatever. And and so, you know, what's a truth that God has revealed exactly. to you? And and so when I when I say something like that, I'm I'm encouraging guys to um teach our children to feed themselves the word. Exactly. And and they need to do that. They need to learn how to study the word and apply it in their own lives, their own ways. Um, because they have to learn how to do that in order to be able to apply it beyond you right? and, and your realm of responsibility exactly. in their lives. And I think that's where you can, you can share with them some of the marvelous resources and tools yeah. we have now. Hey, you can get this Bible verse delivered to your phone. You right. can utilize a Bible app. I still, like I said, do try to point out the, the beauty of, of having a paper copy Bible that you can journal and you can make notes in. So I think having that conversation with your children goes a long way. It, it helps them. It helps them, I think, get from us the fact that, listen, I want to be I want to be a lifelong right. uh, a family member with you in this pursuit. I just don't want to, like, teach you because I'm doing this for me. And I think that's what, what sometimes I've had to guard against. Am I doing this for them or I'm doing this for me? Right. Am I doing them doing this to help them grow in Christ or am I doing this just to make me feel better as a church member or something? I think the other thing, too, on a practical note, speaking of church, is when we go to church together— um, I would just encourage folks, and you can talk about this with your children too. Is say, look, just, just listen for that, listen for that sentence or that phrase or that thought that that you take away from that, that and you speaks can to you yeah, personally, yeah, and you can share that with each other. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you can talk about that as a family. I think you know, in the Deuteronomy six, you remember these folks when this was originally being penned. These folks are still in there you know, 40-year wilderness journey. So they're being nomadic. They're still having to move. They weren't even, they weren't going to the same church. They weren't even, they didn't have a place like that to go. It was like this stuff was constantly being moved. It was like being on this long 
multi-decade camping excursion, probably worse than that. <laughs> so you see them here having to be reminded, wherever you are, as you're walking along, talk about this. i tell you another piece of this, too, and this just comes from what I was reading earlier today in, in my own devotional Bible reading. It always strikes me in the Bible of how, especially in Old Testament, oftentimes they would recount mm-hmm. what God had done. The history of his faithfulness. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's something you can do with your children. Uh, you can yeah. rem- reminisce. What, what have we seen God do? You might do that through home videos, through pictures, you name right. it. Um, a lot of ours is tied to some wonderful church memories, and we can talk about that. I mean, and you can reminisce and you celebrate God's faithfulness through the years. I mean, my son just just the other week, you know, we're at church celebrating. Yeah. You were there, his milestone of high school graduation. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I saw a picture when he was as a little guy on a bulldozer when that land was being developed. But bigger than the building and the land is the fact that there's people there that are being that, developed. Well, the and there. these people can remember and can speak in his life. And he remembers them, too. He remembers you working with him when he yeah. was nine years old. Yeah. And now he's 18. And I think that is where we can uh, partner with the church and the church can partner with us. So I would just say, look, try to remember, grab grab one nugget from that pastor's right. sermon. And then don't miss the fact of how God has been faithful to you through the years. And talk about that as a family. He's been faithful to us financially. He's been faithful to us in our health. What happened when when Grandpa passed away? Well, look at how God moved through that. Those are some of the testimonies I think we've even seen in my own earthly family. Absolutely. And and we would have the same testimony with our experience in ministry as a faith-based ministry. Boy, the way we've seen God provide and care for our family Overseas mission trips, that's something that that's we right. did as a family. Um, and so I, I, I want to be careful with our time because I don't want to tax our audience here. Sure. But, man, we could go on and on talking about, and we may have to do some other installments about strategies that you can use as a dad to keep the Word, to live the Word in front of your family. I, you need to be a reader of the Word, a hearer of the Word, but you have to be a doer of the Word in front of your family as well. We want you to live that out. And it, guys, it doesn't have to be complex or painful or um, intimidating. God's Word is is available to you. There's always something there. Brian talked about being on the edge of the Grand Canyon, and, and our family has camped and hiked and done things. Man, if you go to the end of Job and read when God is addressing Job about Do you know where the snow is stored? Do you see the doe give birth to the fawn? Do you see, you know, who, do you know who causes the sea to stop right here? And you just get this magnificent picture of God. And I can't tell you how often when we've camped or been at the edge of the ocean, I would read that passage to our family. And so they roll their eyes now at, oh, dad's going to read Job. But my guess is that when... As you, as you said, if God blesses us with grandchildren, my hope and my prayer is that I will someday stand at the edge of the ocean or at the edge of a, the Grand Canyon or on the crest of a mountain and hear my sons right. read the book of Job to their children yeah. because they saw me do it. And so, guys, don't forget that you are making investments in your kids that are powerful and if you don't have kids, I think about Chuck Lawless. He a beautiful post that I read yesterday about what type of father he would like to be. And man, it was um, 
gosh, it was humbling to hear, to read what he said about if he were a dad, the type of dad he would want to be. Guys, you don't have to have biological kids to make a powerful, powerful investment in the lives of some other people. And so I would just encourage you to do that. One final thing, somebody posted on Facebook today. um, I think it's a a devotion from Wellington Boone. And um, I, I won't read all of it, but I just thought this was powerful. Children of this generation have experienced unnecessary pain because of the prayerlessness of their fathers. But God can turn the heart of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers. Boy, that caught mm. my attention. Children of this generation have experienced unnecessary pain because of the prayerlessness of their fathers. So, guys, if you do nothing else, whether it's by text or phone call or a simple note to just say to your children or even to your wife, for goodness sakes, I prayed for you today. The power of prayer to transform a life is huge. The power of the word to transform a life is huge. And, And Christ is at work in us um, he manifests himself in our lives, um, but we've, you know, we've got to die to the flesh and give him sway over our lives so that we can win some of those battles mm-hmm. like your dad did with that guy. So, guys, um, I, I am just so thankful, Brian, uh, for you being here, uh, for your wisdom, for what you've shared. Man, there's so much more that we could do, but but we're going to um, we're going to cut this off. I'm, I will tell you, folks, our one question survey from last week was for guys to name someone who had been instrumental as a spiritual father in their life in some way. And we've got that list posted on our website. So take a look. There are hundreds of names there of men who have invested in other men. And so um, just go and be encouraged in that and, and invest in someone else. Um, next week, our podcast will be The Noble Man Reads and Studies the Bible. And then I'm going to say one other thing. Brian, you will not remember this probably, but one Wednesday night, we happened to pass each other in the office at Parkway. And um, <clears throat> I was it was a particularly low moment. I don't hmm. even know why. In the Ministry of Noble Warriors, I was tired. I was weary. And, and we stopped and had a quick conversation and... You said to me, not a day of your life has been wasted in preparing you for the work that God's given you to do. Now, you may say that to hundreds Mm. of other guys. I don't know. But in that moment, that spoke to me and encouraged me, and it has blessed me ever since. And so I thank you for investing in my life, for pastoring me. And guys, I would just let me say that again, because I've stolen what my pastor said to me and said it to many other guys since then. And that is not a day of your life has been wasted because the Lord was preparing you for what he has you doing right now. So, guys, hold on to that. Be encouraged by that and maybe share it with someone else. Amen. Brian, thank you for being with thank us. You, you got Mike. any parting words My here? Privilege. No, I just thank you so much for having me. I would just encourage each of us just to remember that, you know, we can continue to press on as earthly fathers because we have a heavenly father who's always with us. Amen. Thanks for having me. Thank you. God bless you. Guys, we'll catch you next week for The Noble Man Reads and Studies the Word. God bless you, men.